How long shall I cry? Please be seated. We have so much to be grateful for at St. Michael this morning. Beautiful fall weather has finally found us. Football season is underway. Our church is growing and energetic, and our community as a whole enjoys abundant resources, which are gifts from God. So as we begin our annual giving campaign today, we could simply count our blessings, give 10% of our income to God, make it home in time for the Cowboys game, and call it good. And yes, I said 10%. But even as we have much to be thankful for today, we are aware of the stresses and strains in the world around us. Hurricane Fiona has devastated Puerto Rico and parts of Canada, and Hurricane Ian has devastated Cuba and much of Florida. The situation in Ukraine is frightening, with Russia illegally annexing eastern Ukraine and threatening to use weapons of mass destruction. The world economy is groaning from disrupted energy flows, blocked shipments of grain, rising inflation, and the risk of recession. And then there are the challenges closer to home that hit us most immediately. A loved one going into hospice, a child struggling with anxiety or depression, a falling out with a family member or friend. While some would prefer to keep these unpleasant realities at bay, the prophet Habakkuk shows another way of being faithful. He cries out to God, challenges God for not acting, and then waits for God to respond. Habakkuk shows that it's possible to be both grateful for gifts and to cry out when God seems absent. When we make our pledge to the annual giving campaign, it's not because everything is going perfectly. It's because we are committed to God's future, even if we can't fully see it yet. In fact, we show with our money what we believe in our souls that the righteousness of God will prevail. It's an investment in God's future, whatever your circumstances may be. So let's just look a little bit at the passage from Habakkuk today. It's written in the late 7th, early 6th century BCE. Habakkuk was a contemporary of Jeremiah, but we know very little about him. Even in that opening sentence, there's just a point to who he is, but no further information. In today's passage, Habakkuk is primarily crying out against injustice. He has two complaints. The first is the political ugliness in Judah and the systemic mistreatment of the poor. That comprises his first complaint to God. His second complaint is a result of what God does about the first complaint, and that is the cruelty of the Chaldeans, whom God has sent in judgment against Judah. Habakkuk seems to be saying it's just not right that these people who are so unrighteous are enjoying the spoils of war. And so we hear in our opening verses these sentences, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? 
Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law becomes slack, and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. Habakkuk does not hold back. He does not mince his words. He cries out to a God that he has faith in and knows that God can handle it. So while Habakkuk is a prophetic book, it's also a song of lament, just like many of our psalms. And in a lament, the singer describes the problem, cries out for help, and urges God to act. We have a witness throughout the Bible of lament being a part of faith. It's not a waste of time. It actually shows connection to God. I wonder if we know how to cry in lament as a people. Sometimes things in our lives are really bad. Sometimes things in the world around us are not okay. Sometimes we know that our community does not reflect the purposes of God. And the faithful response is not to ignore it on the one hand or to give up hope and become cynical, but to wrestle with God as Jacob wrestled with the angel, to bring God into the problem. Hebrew scripture shows over and over again that the faithful ones wrestle with God. Consider Abraham. Consider Moses. Consider Job, the prophets, Jesus. All of them have a real relationship with God, and they're not afraid to cry out when God seems absent. And so if you're sitting here today feeling like God is absent, you are not alone, you are in good company, and your cry of lament is part of that healthy relationship with God. And I suggest that lament is not just complaining, it is not just whining. Lament shifts the ground within us, and it shifts the ground within God. We consistently see in Scripture that when we are vulnerable and open with God, something in God changes, and there is a liveliness in that exchange. And so I suggest that lament is active. It's building a new thing. What do we need to lament today? How might crying out to God be the most, most faithful response you can muster? Two of my best friends from seminary, who are part of a small group with me and with whom I've been meeting for 20 years, two of them are genuinely crying out in lament today. Joseph is lamenting the endemic violence and poverty in Haiti, his home country. And Cesar is lamenting the impact of Hurricane Ian on his church in Port Charlotte, Florida. The beauty of church, the beauty of a place like St. Michael, is that there's room for joy and there's room for pain. There's room for consolation, and there's room for desolation, as the spiritual masters teach us. And I think our prayer in our bedtime service of Compline captures it best. Keep watch, dear Lord, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, Lord Christ, give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Do you see how that prayer wraps all of us into the community of God? There is not a certain state you need to be in to benefit from being at St. Michael. And so as church, I suggest we hold one another up as we wait for God to be revealed. 
Habakkuk says in today's lesson, I will stand at my watch post, station myself at the rampart. I will keep watch to see what God will say to me and what God will answer concerning my complaint. And so as church, we orient ourselves to God's future, whether we are joyful, whether we are crying, and together we stand and keep our eye on that vision. So how did God respond to Habakkuk's complaints? To the first complaint about injustice in Judah, God sent an invading army to lay waste to Judah. I think this falls into the category of be careful what you wish for. To the second complaint about the cruelty of the Chaldeans, God essentially says, wait for it. My vision for Israel will prevail. And that's what faith is. Living in that gap between injustice and justice, between war and peace, we can't control the world, but we can keep our eyes on God and watch for the way that God is being revealed in a new way in every situation. Like Habakkuk, we can run with God's vision even if the light around us seems to fail. The end of Habakkuk gives a powerful view of this kind of faith in the midst of the rubble. He writes, Though the fig tree does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails, and the, ye- and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exult in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. That is the kind of faith, the kind of maturity that we are moving toward as St. Michael Church. And I suggest that that's what Jesus did. He trusted God in the gap of the cross. And God did a new thing in the resurrection, defeating death, providing a way for everyone to be reconciled to God and to one another. Jesus knows what this is all about. So whether you're celebrating today or grieving, whether you're singing in gratitude or crying in lament, please participate in our annual giving campaign. Not because the church needs it, but because your soul needs it. Your gift to the church is an act of faith, an affirmation that no matter what life throws at us, the righteousness of God will prevail. Amen.